Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. All right, if you have a Bible, you can turn in it to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. How many of you, raise your hand, have talked to yourself? Man, I appreciate your honesty. Everybody is honest on this one. Sometimes I might get one or two hands. But let me tell you, everybody talks to themselves, right? Oh, I should have turned there. Man, I like that outfit. Oh, I got to remember to do this. I got to remember to do that. What are you doing? I'm talking it through. You know, sometimes the world thinks you're crazy when you talk to yourself. But I'm telling you, you're not. Everybody talks to themselves. But what's important is what are you saying? Because words have the ability to create. They can create good things. They can build up or they can tear down. Right? So your words are very powerful. And God has created us that way. So this morning I want to talk to you about words that work. Because there's words that don't work. Well, there's really not. But they work in opposite. There's words that build up that work for you. Or there's words that work against you. And we're looking for words that work for us. Right? Words that are going to accomplish good things. And the cool thing is this, is that God has given you great words that build up, that increase, that cause you to grow and mature in Him. And so He hasn't left us unarmed out here, right? You know, the last few weeks we've been talking about that we're in a war. You know, you don't even have to watch the news to know that there's a spiritual war going on. I wish for a moment many times that we could see into the spirit realm just for a moment and see all the things that are trying to happen behind the scenes, that, that God is protecting us, that he is keeping a shield around us, he is guarding us and protecting us. You know, different things are trying to happen behind the scenes. And sometimes I wish I could just see into that spirit realm just for a moment because it would cause me to be a lot more sober about the fight that I'm in, to take it more seriously. Because Ephesians 6 talks about putting on the armor of God, right? What's it talk about? Say them with me, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, our loins girt about with the belt of truth, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and then we have the shield of faith, and we also have the sword of of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Yeah, you guys are good. <laughs> Come on. You know the Scripture. But here's the thing. Do you know that when David killed Goliath, what did he do after he killed Goliath? He went over to him. He removed Goliath's sword from its sheath, and he cut his head off. Now, I have this vivid image in my mind, and I don't know. Maybe it's the Mel Gibson in me, but I just envision David holding up Goliath's head, man you know, with the other sword in his hand, and Israel just coming. I know that's very graphic, okay? But it just encourages me because it's a major victory. But, the, but what I want to point out is that Goliath's, I know I just got a little gross there, but it's okay. You'll get those of you that are action-adventure people, you like it. Um, but, the, 
But the sword, the interesting thing about Goliath's sword is it was in the sheath. He didn't have his sword pulled because he was not afraid of David. He saw no imminent danger when David came at him. But were God's people, were God's people that had the armor of God, and so we have a sword. So it's not enough to just play defense all the time, to just have your shield of faith and block the fiery darts of the enemy. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. How many of you know to win a game, you got to play some offense? You can't just play defense all the time and win a game. You have to sink some buckets or you have to win, you know, make some touchdowns, right, to win the game. Well, that means we have to pull our sword out, and our sword is what we use to play offense with. So, so I want to talk a little bit about that sword. But first, there's three important things that you have to know about yourself, all right? As a Christian, how many of you are Christians in here? You've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Come on, that, I think, is most everybody. Or you didn't raise your hand. So, three important things that we need to know about ourselves. First is this, is that He is our Father. God is your Father. You're a son and a daughter of God. And I used to think for a long time that it would be so neat to be related to someone in my family history that made a big difference in the world, you know, especially in this country. Like if one of the founding fathers, if I was related to them, you know, if I was related to George Washington or Lincoln, you know, or, or I mean, just somebody amazing. And so my brother-in-law found out and he pulled me aside one day and he said, hey, I've been on Ancestry.com and I found out who you're related to. I said, really, who? He said, uh, Davy Crockett. He's your great uncle. Now, there's a few more greats in there, but he's my great uncle. Wow. Without getting, and I went, really? I'm in the direct line of Davy Crockett. I thought that was so cool because I've stayed at the Crockett Inn down at the Alamo there in, in, you know, in, in San Antonio. I mean, I, you know, and I thought, man, they've made movies about him. He, he was a great political figure. I mean, they've written songs about Davy Crockett. But how many of you know, as cool as that is, wait a minute. I'm a son of the God of the universe. Come on. The God that created everything. The, God, the amazing God that he is. And he chose to make me his son. Well, Phil, how have you become a son? I've been adopted. I was adopted. You, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been adopted as a daughter, as a son Wow, man. Do you guys remember Sid Caesar years ago? Sid Caesar was a great comedian, great actor. They asked him one time in an interview, I saw, what was the greatest moment of your life? And you know what he said? He said, the greatest moment of my life was when I put my daughter to bed one night and I sat down on the bed next to her and she said, Daddy, what's your last name? He said, Caesar. She said, what's your first name? He said, Sydney. Okay, well, what's my last name? She said, it's the same as mine, Caesar. She said, what do your friends call you? He said, well, they call me Sid. She goes, oh, you're Sid Caesar? He said, that was the greatest moment of my life was when my daughter realized who I was. 
This is your heavenly father's greatest moment of his life is when you realize who your father is. <laughs> who your dad, I just got goosebumps. How about you guys? Who your dad is. The next thing you need to know about yourself is this. You look like your heavenly father. God said, let us make man and woman. Okay, that, that includes everybody. Don't get feminist on me out here. This is everybody. Let's make them in our image, in our likeness. What God is saying is, I want them to look like me. Now, in Naples, Florida, there's an outlet mall that every year does a father-son look-alike competition. And so I brought a few pictures of the look-alike competition, the father and son. Look at these guys. Don't they look alike? And then on the next picture, you can see that they not only have the same clothes on, but the father went as far as to recreate the tattoos that he has on his son's body. I thought that was kind of cool. But you look like your father. The more time that you spend with your dad, the more and more you look like. I, it cracks me up when I watched that movie that Walt Disney did, 101 Dalmatians, especially that scene where the different people are walking their dogs and they look like their dog. You know, there's been, I hope I don't look like my dog, but, <laughs> but, but that brings me to the third thing that you need to know about yourself, and that's this. You not only look like your heavenly father, the more time you spend around him, you sound like your heavenly father. There's a sound that comes out of you that sounds just like your dad because he has given you the ability to create. Now jump back in time with me just for a moment to Genesis. You remember in the book of Genesis that, that God brought all the animals to Adam and whatever, anim, whatever Adam called them, that was what the animal was. Now, that would be cool in itself. You get to name animals. I, 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 I think he got a little bored when he got to some of the birds. You know, it ran out of ideas. Red bird, blue bird, black bird. I mean, you know, just kind of, I'm getting tired here. I'm coming up with names. But, but he named all the animals. Why is God having Adam do that? Because the creator, God, wanted us to have that same capability. How did he create the planet? And God said, let there be, dot, 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 right? Everything that he said, let there be, it became. Why? Because he spoke it into existence. He put that same ability in you and I to create with our words or destroy with your, why? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you can Build up. Have you ever hung around somebody that when they spoke to you and they said things that encouraged you, man, you just walked away from that relationship going, man, I mean, you're sticking your chest out. You're feeling a little better about yourself. Why? They encouraged you. God is the great encourager. I am trying to create, to give you some encouragement this morning. And so you know what that means? That means courage is going out of you, me, and it's getting on you. Why? You, it gives you courage when you are encouraged. And so we're supposed to be creating things in other people, good things, courage. Creativity happens, though, in the spirit world first. Okay? We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks, that, 
that there is a spiritual battle going on. And the way that we're supposed to fight our fight, we're supposed to fight our battles in the spirit realm, not over in the physical realm. Why? Because the physical realm is just the manifestation of what's happening in the spirit realm. Okay? So we fight. Let me give you an example of that. So hopefully you found 1 Samuel 17 by now. I've been going for a little while. So gave you plenty of time. Go to the context. You know, I'm teasing. Um, so 1 Samuel 17. And let's look at verse 43. Okay, so let me set this up for you. So the Israelites are at a standoff with the Philistines. Israelites are on one hill, Philistines are on the other hill, and there's a valley between. And so now Goliath has come out into the valley, this monstrous nine-foot giant comes out, and he dares someone from the Israelites to come and fight him. And David's going, ooh, ooh, me, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. And everybody is going, you are kidding me. You're going to fight him? Now, before you read verse uh, 43, jump down to this verse first. Um, In It was a little further down. Look at verse 26. Verse 26, when David first showed up, because he was just bringing supplies to his brothers. His brothers are in the army. David is not. But he came to check on him because his father asked him to. Because he's a man under authority. And so he comes, and so he sees the giant. The giant comes out to taunt everybody, and all the Israelites, they run from him, and they hide. And, and listen to what David says in verse 26. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now notice or who defies the armies of the living God. Now notice this, that David is not fighting in the physical right away. He recognizes in the spirit realm that this is a man without a covenant. That's what uncircumcised means. He doesn't have a covenant with God. He said, we're the Israelites. We're God's army. We're the circumcised. We are the ones who are in covenant with God. And so notice that he recognizes that right out of the gate. Now jump back up again to to verse 43. And let's read this. Because now David has come out to meet Goliath. And look at what Goliath says. He says, he sees this little guy coming. The Bible says that, that David was handsome and he was ruddy. Right? And so he's this little guy and, and he's obviously young because of what Goliath says. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with a stick? I mean, David's not, he can't even grow a beard yet. He doesn't even have hair on his chest yet. Right? I mean, he comes out, and and all Goliath sees is a little boy coming toward him. And so he says, he says, am I a dog that you've come to me with sticks? And then the Philistine says to David, he he curses him, curses David uh, by his gods. But then he says this, he says, come to me, and I will give you your flesh. I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So Goliath is trash-talking David. Now, sometimes people trash talk because they want to try and irritate. They want to try and start a premature fire in you. A few weeks ago, my wife, uh, she likes to grill. She's the griller in the family. Believe me, you would rather eat her cooking than mine and because uh, I'm learning how to cook. And so anyway, so she'll grill. Well, she had, this, she had bought this grill pad. 
Do you know the pads I'm talking about where the meat can't fall through? So she wanted to try that, so she put it on the grill. Well, the next thing I know, Rebecca comes running into me and says, Dad, the grill is on fire. And so I'm showing you a picture of our grill here. And so you can see it's charcoal there on the side. And I think I've got another picture of the back. And flames are pouring out of the back of this little grill. So I run to the garage, and I'm getting my fire extinguisher. So I got to pull the pin on the fire extinguisher and put out the flame. Well, this is what happens. See, words can start fires, but the spirit of God, when you don't do battle in the physical, but you decide to do it in the spiritual, it's the fire extinguisher that puts out the premature fire in you so that you can respond the way that you need to respond. Too often we make prayer the last line of defense. I heard one guy say, all we can do now is pray. And his business partner said, dear God, has it come to that? And I thought, wait a minute, that should be your first line of defense. That should be the first place that you go is in prayer. Amen? So, so listen to what David says. You're getting ready to hear some covenant talk. David says in verse 45, he says, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Man. Look at how David responds. Do you notice that he pulls it out of the physical and brings it right over into the spiritual? He says, no, your fight is not against us. You're defying the armies of the living God, the God of heaven, the God of earth. And you're a man without covenant. Notice what David is saying. David had a revelation of who God, his father was of who he was. And now he is sounding like his father. Are you following me? Are you following me? So when I speak the word of God, see, I'm no longer fighting the enemy on his terms. Now I'm fighting on God's terms. And notice what he says. He goes on to say, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He said, I will strike you and take from you your head. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines. Goliath only said, I'm going to give your carcass to the birds of the air and the fowl of the sea. Listen to what David says. I'm going to give it all the Philistines to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. I'm telling you, when you respond this way, all of your enemies will know that there is a God in the household of faith in the Johnson family. Come on. There's a God in the household of Holly. There's a God in the household of Terry. There's a God in the Lamar household. Come on. There's a God, and I'm trying to sound amazing. I'm my low voice. Verse 47, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear. Listen to this. But the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Wow. Man, when a, when a person decides to follow Jesus, 
there are two things that are important. When a person decides to make Jesus Lord of their lives, there's two things that are important, and we see it over in Romans. Do you have a moment? Turn to Romans 10. Look at Romans 10, and let's read verse 9 together. It'll also be up on the screen here. It says this. You guys are probably familiar with this verse, Romans 10, 8, chapter 10, verse 8, 8 and 9 is you know, a scripture that we use when people get born again. But it says this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's two things that are very important when a person makes Jesus the Lord of their life. It's the fact that they confess. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, so saying Jesus is Lord is, is, is crucial. But secondly, that you believe in your heart. You believe in your heart. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians 4 because I want to touch on this a little bit. Words that you speak in faith are words that you believe. You believe words. Now there's, there's, a, there's a thing that I see in the Christian faith uh, with confession that's not... I don't, it's not accurate from what I read, okay? And that's this, that if you say something enough times, it'll happen. Yeah, but that goes against Romans 10.17. Romans 10.17 says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I listen, but I don't hear. Okay? You can listen to CDs. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen to books over and over. But are you hearing? Sometimes my wife thinks my hearing is not very good. It's not that. I'm listening, but I'm not hearing. Because many times I've, I, I heard audibly what she said, but I didn't hear the message. I listened, but I Okay, don't tap your husbands too hard here. But, but let me go back to this because, because some Christians think it's confession. If I confess, if I confess, if I confess. No, if you don't believe in your heart, it doesn't matter what you confess. What you're doing is you're using a psychological, uh, secular idea to produce spiritual fruit in your life. Can I say it that way? That... For instance, there's psychologists that say, one, one psychologist in particular, I remember saying, um, there is nothing so absurd that if, I repeat, if you repeat something often enough, people will begin to believe it. Now, that is true because the media tries to do that. Okay, they've used that psychology for a long time. They say things, they repeat it, they repeat it, they repeat it, they repeat it, and, and it can become a law. That's how separation of church and state became a law. It was repeated enough. Okay, so, but this is a secular idea. And so the, the wrong thing that Christians do sometimes is they take a secular idea. Well, if I just say it enough times, my heart will begin to believe it. Well, then God would have said in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by repeating. Wouldn't it? Faith comes by, but faith doesn't come by repeating. Faith comes by hearing. Faith doesn't come by listening. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing means it bypasses the mind and goes straight to the heart. 
And that's why when you read the Word of God, uh, okay, well, let me use this as an example. I want to show you a picture of Nicole and I. This, we're in 1991, okay? Now, we're not even married yet. Look at that young, good-looking couple there. And I had flown to Phoenix. This is the first time I've seen Nicole in four years. And so we have been writing letters. This is way back before social media, internet, okay? The information highway wasn't even a dusty trail back then. I hadn't even cleared it yet, okay? And so here we are, you know, and, and we go out on a date this night. Took her out to Tommaso's, very nice Italian restaurant in Phoenix. And we eat at this restaurant. And then I took her to a park that was close to her house. And there I'm going to finally divulge my love for, my, for Nicole. And man, I was a little nervous. I got to tell you. Because this thing is building up in me. And I already know I am in love with Nicole. But now I have to make the words come out of my mouth. And so I got to a moment, okay, and, and, the, and there was a nice gentle breeze, Michael Bolton music playing way off in the background. You guys remember Michael Bolton? Those of you that are in your 50s. And so, or later. And so, and the moment was right. And I said, Nicole, I love you. Want to know what her response was? That's nice. Don't steal my thunder, those of you that already know this. That's nice. How would that make you feel? I mean, you have, I'm pouring my heart. This is, I truly believe this. I said it with the most convincing words that I know how to produce. I love you. That's nice. Oh. I mean, I got to tell you, I was, I was disappointed. So the next day, I'm flying out from Phoenix. Okay, this is 91, before TSA. So she's sitting with me at the gate, right? And we're saying the long, slow goodbye. And I'm the last one to get on the plane. And as I'm walking down the jetway to get on the plane, I hear her yell the words, echoes down the jetway, I love you. And I, and I went, wow. Now, okay, I confess, when she said, that's nice, I didn't like that response. I had to get over that response. That, you know, was not what I was expecting. I was expecting I love you too. I didn't get that. But when she said it and I was walking down the jetway, I knew she waited until she meant it. Everything that God has said in this word, he meant for you. Now, I want to read to you out of the Passion Translation, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you there? Verse 13. Listen to this, and I'm going to ask the keys to go ahead and come. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. It says this. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scripture when it says, First I believed, then I spoke in faith. Notice that. First I believe it, now 
I'm going to speak it. So it doesn't matter how many times I confess it. I confess it, 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 I confess it. If I don't believe it, I'm spinning my wheels. Because when I have heard the word of God and it's gone past my mind and it has sunk down in my heart and like Nicole, I'm speaking the words that I believe and, I, and, and, and I'm not speaking natural words, but these are God's words. God's words that I have read that has gone past my mind to my heart, the scriptures that, I'm, that, I, that I read. Let me tell you, each of you should have a Bible reading plan that you go through every day. And here's why. Because when you're reading your Bible every day, scriptures jump off of the page. And I encourage you, what I like to do is I write them down. And I write next to them what, why this spoke to me. You know, like I read a scripture that was for our worship team the other day. And I said, man, that is so powerful. Man, that, that describes vision worship, which is amazing. You guys should, okay, don't invite people to church for me. Invite them for the music, would you? I mean, so anyway. So, so, but the scripture jumps off the page. Well, when it does that, it goes past the mind. It goes to the heart. And I prayed that scripture over our worship team. Man, and I remember when mom had her massive heart attack on, on, in uh, 2011, and we were walking through that, the scriptures that had gone past my mind and gone down into my heart began to come out of my mouth over mom. Lord, I thank you. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. Lord, I thank you that 1 Peter 2.24 says that you took that infirmity, that sickness, that disease on the cross when you died for me. And by your stripes, mom, is healed. Lord, I thank you that Psalm 57 7 says that her heart is steadfast, that it beats every single time that her blood pressure is coming up. But do you see what I'm saying? I'm not praying Phil's words, I'm praying words that work. Well, Phil, how do you know those words work? I'm glad you asked. Turn over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Now, I'm not trying to prove things to you because you have to come to the belief on your own. I am teaching, but all of every person has a responsibility to come into what they believe for themselves. Okay, and so I encourage you to study this out. Don't just take my word for it. Study it out. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says this. Now, God is saying this about his own words. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall, not, uh, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Yes. Come on. God's word, always, it doesn't return void. It accomplishes what it was sent to do. If I believe his word and I put it in my mouth over a situation, then man, I feel sorry for the devil. I feel sorry for the enemy. I feel sorry for, for anybody that would try to go against that word because there is nothing more powerful in my mouth than that word. Phil, how can you say that? Well, a couple of reasons in closing. Matthew 4 talks about Jesus 
going out into the wilderness to be tempted. Every time the enemy brought a temptation, how did Jesus respond? It is written. Now, what is he quoting? He's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy on every, all three times. What did he study? What did most of the priests study at that time in the temple? Deuteronomy. They didn't call it Deuteronomy back then. But that was what they studied. So that scripture came up on the inside of him. He used it against his enemy. That was the sword of the Spirit. And I submit to you that those are the words that work. Those are the words that work. Now, turn over to Revelation chapter 12. And I'm going to read it to you out of a little different translation in closing. I'm going to read it to you out of the the expanded Bible. This was so good. Revelation chapter 12. Verse 11. Now, it, uh, leading up to this verse in, in verse 11, it talks about Satan and all the things that he has tried to do. Satan is our, our true enemy. You guys know that, right? It's not people. It's not your boss. It's not anybody in the physical. It's Satan. And so look at what it says in verse 11. It says this in the expanded Bible. And our brothers and sisters defeated or conquered him. Now they're talking again about Satan. That's him. By the blood of the lamb's death. That's the death that Jesus paid, paid on the cross. The death that he died on the cross for you. And then it says by means of Christ's sacrificial death. And by the message they preached. Another translation says, by the word of their testimony. That's what a testimony is, is that you're preaching about what God has done for you. So here's my question. What message are you preaching? Are you complaining? Griping? Man, this... I mean, there's plenty to gripe about. I don't even have to give you ideas. I don't want to give you ideas. Because there's plenty out there to gripe and complain about. But if your words have creative ability, if God has created you with that same creative capacity to either build things or tear things down, shouldn't we be a a little more selective about what we say? Who we say it to? And listen, I'm preaching to myself too because I'm not very happy with some of the ways I've been loose in allowing myself to say certain things. And I've gone, man, whoa, I, got, I need to reel this back because I, I want to create good in other people's lives and in my own life. So this is how we do battle. This is the sword of the Spirit. When you take it out and use it, you are taking God's words and you're putting them in your heart so they will come out of your mouth. And imagine next time somebody cuts you off in traffic, God bless them. Instead of, God bless that person. They might, they might be going through something that I had no, no idea. They're obviously in a hurry. Lord, help them get, there, get safely where they need to go. Oh, Phil, does that mean I get rolled over? No, that means that you're choosing to do battle the way David did. That you're choosing to do battle in the spirit realm and not in the physical. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.